Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Tuesday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us. feel like I haven't done this show in a while. Our last Hacker After Dark was, what, Wednesday of last week. Of course, you had the Jaguars and the Jets Thursday. I sat in for the boys on the drill Friday morning and then... Of course, Christmas weekend. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and now we are back at it on Hacker After Dark, and we live in a world, ladies and gentlemen, where the Jacksonville Jaguars are one home win away. A week from Sunday, January 8th, against the Tennessee Titans, one home win away from an absolutely improbable AFC South Championship here in 2022-2023. You should be pumped, Trevor. You have been the man for the last six weeks or so. So we got a lot to do tonight. It's going to be a lot of Jaguars. It's going to be a lot of college football. Let me set the scene for you. We normally have Monday night coaching with Campo. Of course, we were not on last night. So we will have Tuesday night coaching with my man Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He will be with us inside of about 20 minutes or so as we will look back on how we got here, how we got from 3-7 and seven in the season being over to now 7-8 and eight and one win away from the second AFC South Championship in Jaguar history. So Dave Campo coming up in less than 20 minutes. Brent Beard. As the college football playoff. Yeah, remember that thing? TCU, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. That actually gets played on Saturday. So we'll talk college football playoff. We'll preview Florida State and Oklahoma in the bowl game down in Orlando. The Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando. We'll also talk a little Florida Gators and what is going on with the lack of information in the transfer portal. So a lot of college football talk with Brent Beard. And finally, at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. As again, more on the Jaguars as they get ready for not a meaningless game. And we'll get into this. It's not meaningless, but it's interesting. The matchup on Sunday against the Houston Texans. So I want to begin there. And I also want to begin with how we got here. Every night here on Hacker After Dark, we give you a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal on Hacker After Dark. Three and seven. Three and seven. Jaguars were done, man. They were cooked. All the, uh, the heartbreaking losses, right? to Washington, to Philadelphia, to the New York Giants by one stinking yard. The ridiculous red zone interceptions against Houston and against Denver. 
that cost you games. Loss after loss after loss. Just devastating losses by this Jaguar football team. And they need to learn how to win. They're young. They're getting better. We set them all. I set them all. You set them all. And things like that make you sleep better at night. Things like that sound good. But at the end of the day, there was a lot of frustration. There was a lot of what could have been. Particularly when we saw how bad other teams were in the AFC South. How frustrating was it to lose to Detroit and fall to 4-8 and eight on the same day Tennessee lost to Philadelphia? And we said at the time, good grief, if they would have just beat Detroit, they would have controlled their own destiny. Nope, lost that game. So we talk about three and seven. You can bring it as recently as a couple weeks ago, four and eight. The season was over. They're not recovering from that. And then something odd started happening. They go to Nashville. Haven't won in Nashville in nine years. Fall behind 14 to seven. Derrick Henry, remember he had 100 yards in the first quarter in Nashville. Here we go again, being more physical, same old Jaguars. But then Trevor Lawrence started doing his thing with Evan Ingram and started finding guys downfield and ran that touchdown in. And all of a sudden, the Jaguars won a game in Nashville. Well, all right. They're 5-8, and eight, but still, I mean, 5-8. and eight, Tennessee fell to, what, 7-6? and six. Still pretty far-fetched, right? You fall down 27-10 to 10 to the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are beating you 27-10. Five minutes to go in the third quarter. The game's over. Nope. Jacksonville comes roaring back. Takes the lead, 31-27. Whoa. Then the defense allows Dallas to drive down the field. Dallas scores with three minutes to go. You're like, yeah, well, it was a good run. We're still not mathematically eliminated. They can still do it even with the loss to Dallas. But then Trevor starts driving the ball, and they get it over midfield. A minute 40 to go. Oh, my gosh, they're going to do this. And then Trevor had that fumble that devastating fumble that Micah Parsons recovered. And again, you feel like your heart got ripped out as a Jaguar fan. Then the defense got a three and out. Trevor gets the ball back, drives down with one minute to go and only one timeout. Evan Ingram with the play of the season, a six-yard, six-yard down and out basically. But he got out of bounds to save that timeout against Dallas. And then Riley Patterson comes in. Riley Patterson, a guy that no one here in Jacksonville knew anything about on Labor Day. Not a clue. And Riley Patterson drills a 48-yard field goal to tie the game. And then ultimately we know what happens with Rayshon Jenkins in the pick six. Now you're cooking with gas. You do what you did to Tennessee in Nashville. You come back 27-10 against Dallas. Now you got people talking. Now the conversation 
has started. You combine that with Tennessee floundering up there in Nashville, and here we go. And then last Thursday, it is raining, it is cold, it is the Big Apple, New York, New York City, East Rutherford, New Jersey, yeah. And you just completely dominate the Jets. Just dominate them, man. Zach Wilson, I know he's terrible, but the reason he was terrible in large part, Jaguar defense made him look terrible. Jaguar defense got after him, sacked him, knocked the ball away. They brought in the Geico caveman who actually moved the ball a little bit against the Jaguars, but ultimately that did not work out. Strevler, right? I believe is his name. I know this. If I'm in a back alley fight, I want Strevler with me. I don't necessarily know if I need him as my quarterback, but that guy was a scary-looking dude as a quarterback. The point I'm getting to in all of this is the Jacksonville Jaguars were gone as recently as four weeks ago. I'm guilty of it. I started draft talk after London. They were dead after London. They're not coming back from two and six. They beat the Raiders. Okay, three and six. They lose to Kansas City, three and seven, going into the bye. I guess it really started with the Baltimore game. I didn't even mention that in this run. Baltimore's got you. Calais Campbell forced that fumble. The Jaguars had a third and 20, then a fourth and five. Converted both of those. Drive all the way down the field, score. Go for two in the win, and they got it to beat the Baltimore Ravens. They haven't had this winning streak, four out of five, against the Sisters of the Poor, right, in the NFL. They beat the 10-win Baltimore Ravens, the 11-win Dallas Cowboys, the 7-win Tennessee Titans, and the 7-win New York Jets. And they've done so in miraculous fashion. Falling behind against Baltimore, falling behind against Tennessee, falling behind against Dallas. This is 1996 all over again. It's what it is. For those of you that remember 1996, most of you do, but keep in mind, that was 26 years ago. The pride of Denmark in there was not alive in 1996. If you're 32, 33 years old and younger driving around right now listening to Hacker After Dark, they probably don't remember 1996. That's how long ago that was. But in 1996, some odd things happened, man. Odd things. Vinny Testaverde fumbling the ball in Baltimore to open the door for the Jaguars. Obviously, Morton Anderson, still the craziest moment in Jaguar history, the Morton Anderson miss. Remember the playoff game, Clyde Simmons intercepting a shovel pass from Jim Kelly. Mike Hollis hitting the upright and it bouncing in in Buffalo to beat the Bills. You go to Denver as a 13-point underdog and you knock off John Elway and the Broncos. Crazy things. Happened in 1996. I would argue this. <clears throat> Again, we'll have to wait and see if the playoffs are in the future. But I'm not sure if anything crazier in 1996 happened than what's happened so far in 2022. 27-10 to Dallas. 
going for two in the win against Baltimore, going to Nashville and winning for the first time in almost a decade. Absolutely incredible run. It's an incredible run. It is a run that regardless of what happens over the next month, we will be talking about as the turning point in this franchise. Trevor Lawrence has arrived. He is a top 10 quarterback. You could argue he's been a top five quarterback in the last six weeks. Doug Peterson won't win it, but he should get consideration for NFL coach of the year. With what he had to clean up with that nonsense last year with Urban Meyer, three and seven to seven and eight, one win away from a division championship. Again, he won't win it, but he absolutely deserves consideration for NFL Coach of the Year. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have made football in Jacksonville fun again. They've made Jaguar football fun. There was a long stretch where it wasn't very fun in December. How many times Christmas and on, two and three weeks to go in the regular season, over the last 15 years have we been talking draft? Have we been talking you need to lose for draft positioning? I can tell you it's been 14 out of the last 15 years. 14. The exception obviously coming in 2017. It is a great time to be a Jaguar fan. It is a great time to cover the Jaguars like we do so proudly here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. You know, I made this analogy when they drafted Trevor Lawrence, and it still is the correct analogy in my opinion right now. We're Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption. He was in prison for 19 years, I believe. Well, we've been in football prison for 14 of the last 15 years. But through all the beatings, all the awful free agent signings, all the awful drafts, Speaking of awful free agent signings, this team gave Nick Foles $50 million guaranteed a few years ago. Did you see that last night? That's the what we've had to deal with here in Jacksonville. With general managers like Shaq Harris and Gene Smith and Dave Caldwell. It's been awful. A comedy of errors. But despite all that, we're all Andy Dufresne, man. We have crawled through 500 yards of the most foul-smelling awfulness you can imagine. And we have come out clean on the other side. This is not just about the next month. Can you imagine the excitement in this city when the 2023 season rolls around? You get a fresh slate. Calvin Ridley is here. Who knows who they're going to add in free agency to go with Trevor Lawrence? The defense is going to add some pieces. It's built, man. It's built. 2022, this is gravy on top of the mashed potatoes. This is hot fudge on top of the ice cream. This was not supposed to happen. I said repeatedly after London that I didn't care about wins and losses anymore as long as Trevor Lawrence looked the part. If I could say after every game that Trevor Lawrence played well enough for the Jaguars to win? That's all I cared about. Well, that's drastically changed now. 
not only has he played well enough to win, the entire team has rallied around him, and they're a top 10 team in the league right now. You look at any power ranking out there, from pro football talk to Sunday night football to ESPN, the Jacksonville Jaguars right now are a top 10 team in the National Football League. And I'll tell you something else. They're the hot team going into the playoffs if they get in. If they get in, which we'll get into certainly over the next 12 days. Because I'm telling you, the Tennessee Titans, they will not go down without a fight. Those of you that lived through 1999, when Tennessee came in here and gave the Jaguars the most damaging loss in franchise history, I understand they don't have Steve McNair and Eddie George Kevin Dyson, Derek Mason, all those guys, Frank Wycheck. That was a great Titan team. They are a shell of what they even were a month ago right now. But I hear a lot of people, and I'm guilty of it. I got to stop and pause as well. Oh, it's an easy game. They're going to go to the playoffs. I believe they will, and I hope they will. But make no mistake about it. That Tennessee team will not go down without a fight. They are the champions of the AFC South until they are not. So we'll have a lot to talk about when it comes to that Tennessee game next week. But back to the Jaguars. If the Jaguars get in, they're going to be the team that nobody wants to play. Because they are the red-hot team going into the postseason. Is there a hotter team in the National Football League right now, or at least in the AFC, Then the Jaguars, yeah, you could argue Kansas City, but that's expected. I don't think Buffalo is any hotter than Jacksonville. The Chargers, eh, they're okay. I'd rather play the Chargers than I would Jacksonville. Miami is limping badly. The Jets, the Titans are limping badly. Cincinnati's pretty hot, I'll give you them. Cincinnati is probably on the same level as Jackson. They've won a lot of games in a row. But Jacksonville is smoking hot going in. And that's why, to me, I'm not sure how many guys I rest on Sunday. It's not a meaningless game. If you beat Houston, that means a tie against Tennessee would still give you the division. If you beat Houston and Miami loses in New England... Wild card scenarios are still at play, so it's not a meaningless game on Sunday. But if you rest guys, do you worry about losing that momentum? I was a guy that was thinking about resting players. And I still don't know if I would play Trayvon Walker or Foley Fadakasi, guys like that that missed last week. I might give them some extra time. But by and large, I think if Jacksonville, if you're 100%, or if you're anywhere near 100%, I think I play on Sunday in Houston. I would be worried if you sat the starters. That might kill some of the momentum. But it is a great time to be a sports talk radio host, listener, Jaguar supporter, media member, fan in this city. Because for the first time in five years, and for only the second time in 15 years, It's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens over the next month here at the end of December and the beginning 
of January. We got a ton to do tonight. Again, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union coming up later on in the 9 o'clock hour. Coming up next, our man Dave Campo. A little Tuesday night coaching session with Campo. How did we go from 3-7 and seven in the season being over to 7-8 and eight in the Jaguars' one home win? away from not only getting in the playoffs, but hosting, hosting just their second playoff game this century. Well, at least in the last 22 years, 23 years. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. As always, we are streaming for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. Go to 1010XL on YouTube. You'll see Hacker After Dark there until 10 o'clock tonight. Also on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter, you'll see the show there until 10 o'clock this evening. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you, Jacksonville, we are glad you're with us. My man Dave Campo is next here on Hacker After Dark. Now, Campo's Coaching Corner on Hacker After Dark. Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM. In the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. Normally, we have Monday night coaching with Campo. This week, we'll have a little Tuesday night coaching session with our man Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, as the Jacksonville Jaguars find themselves one home win over the Tennessee Titans away from an AFC South Division Championship. Coach, I trust you had a happy holidays, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I sure did, and, and I heard that you did as well. Your your little boy enjoyed it. That's what Christmas is all about, and, uh, you know, I'm glad that happened, and Happy New Year. Yeah, right around the corner, and what a new year it could potentially be for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Coach, you and I uh, broke bread on Friday morning after the Jaguars and the Jets. We'll get into them, certainly, but since we talked the last time, Tennessee – loses a home game to Houston and where Malik Willis just looked awful at the quarterback position. Now Jacksonville and and Tennessee are tied. In fact, Jacksonville would be in the playoffs with the tiebreaker. Boy, Tennessee, after losing five games in a row, Coach, they look like they're in absolute free fall. Well, they're in trouble, you know, obviously. And, and, uh, you know, they're going to have to make a decision like we are in this next ball game against uh, against Houston. Uh, you know, they're playing the Cowboys on Thursday night and, you know, they've got a bunch of guys banged up. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously we have a few guys that are banged up a little bit. The problem you have, first of all, Willis, uh, you know, obviously hadn't played. Uh, that was a rough day for him. You know, he can run though. He puts some pressure on you. Uh, that's the issue you have with him, but, you know, the decision that they have to make, we have to make as well. And the thing we have to be careful of going into this week is you certainly, you know, they've got two offensive linemen that are a little banged up. You'd like to give them the time off, but you don't want to put your quarterback behind a, a substandard offensive line. And I think, you know, that's an issue that they have to face as well. Coach, it's that age old question, right? Rest versus rust. And the Jaguars are on such a hot streak right now they're going to Houston and if you want to find any meaningful subplot in this game well there are a couple um Jacksonville beats Houston that means a tie against Tennessee would get Jacksonville in the postseason 
And depending on what happens with Miami on Sunday, and again, we don't know the status of Tua, who's back in concussion protocol, if Miami were to lose on Sunday and the Jaguars beat Houston, well, then the wild card is back in play for Jacksonville. So from that standpoint, Coach, it is not a meaningless game. But what's your whole philosophy on resting guys uh, getting ready for what's to be an AFC South championship game a week from Sunday? Well, I think there's a little bit too much at stake to really go to a wholesale rest. And, you know, I, you know, we did it at times in Dallas when we had, you know, a far superior team and, and, you know, our only thrust at the time was to, you know, we were already in the playoffs, you know? So I, I don't see us uh, doing a whole lot of resting other than, you know, if there is a guy that's banged up, you know, one guy or two guys that might, you know, uh, benefit from the extra time off in a, in a game that's going to determine whether or not we go to playoffs. I'm okay with that. With the exception of what I just mentioned, you got to be really careful with the offensive line when your starting quarterback is the key to, you know, a big key to your victory uh, going forward. Uh, And in this case, what you just said is is different from the standpoint that there's a number of different uh, scenarios that could be involved. So I don't see them resting a whole lot of people. I see as them trying to go in and win the football game for sure. Dave Campo here with us on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL Radio in Jacksonville. Coach, let's rewind the clock back, what, about six weeks now. The Jaguars were 3-7. and seven. Coach, the season was over, right, at 3-7. and seven. Admittedly, I started draft talk. At three and seven, they're not going to recover from that. Who would, who on planet Earth would think they're going to recover from that? Coach, what has happened in the last six weeks with this team? Well, first of all, I, you know, it, it reminded me, as you know, of, a, of our team back in Dallas when we went one and fifteen the first year, and then the second year we were three and seven, and we won four in a row. Aikman got hurt. And then we almost made the playoffs at seven and nine, which is very similar to this situation. And uh, uh, with Aikman hurt, we lost the last two. And then the following year, we went to the playoffs and won a playoff game. Then the year after that, we win the Super Bowl. So, you know, I've been looking at this ever since they were three and seven. When they won the next one to go four and seven, I said, you know what? There's a chance here. And what's happened is the quarterback has just. Uh, become the person that everybody thought he was going to be and, you know, has just uh, come alive and is playing as good as anybody in the league at quarterback uh, in the last five ball games. That coupled with, I think, Doug Peterson has done a great job with this team. You know, even when they were three and seven, they were in every ball game with the exception of the Detroit game. And, you know, I just feel like their, their belief right now is so strong that, you know, nothing is, is impossible for them going forward. And, you know, the, obviously they've rallied. I think the team believes they can beat anybody. Uh, I always felt that every game was going to be close. Usually you have a one bad one, which was a Detroit game. Uh, but they've been close in every single ball game, whether they won it or lost it. So, you know, to me, this is, uh, you know, just an unusual season. And it really bodes well, hopefully for the playoffs, but especially for next year. Coach, uh, look, Halloween was not that long ago, and Halloween was the London game where Trevor was just awful. I mean, he was awful against Denver, and what an awful loss that is now looking back on it with as bad as the Broncos are. 
But, I mean, how does that happen? How, how do you look like that on Halloween, which, again, was not all that long ago, and now you could argue Trevor Lawrence is among the top five quarterbacks in football? Well, I, I think it's really a self-reflection, you know, and I think that's one of the strengths that you have with, with uh, Trevor. You know, I think he looked at himself at that time and he said, you know what, I'm letting these guys down. You know, I'm trying to do things that I shouldn't be doing, uh, thinking like I did at Clemson that, I, that uh, miraculously we're going to win a football game because I'm going to make a throw that's going to, you know, that's going to make the difference in the game as opposed to taking what's there. And, and plus he's the experience. He's just gotten better and better and with the offense, understands it better understands when he has to run when he can run and he can make yardage with his feet. And, uh, you know, the guy has so much talent. If he just stays within himself, you know, he's going to be very successful. And I think that's what he's showing right now. And that coupled with Doug Peterson being a steady hand, you know, he's one of those gunfighters that, that, you know, he, 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 he kills the other guy because, He's not worried about the other guy. He's only worried about himself. And, you know, that's what's happened with this football team. And, you know, the defense has been been continuing to get a little bit better, you know, from a, a simplicity and, and a technique standpoint. And, you know, they're at a good place right now at the end of the season where you need to be going into the playoffs. we got a little Tuesday night coaching session with Dave Campo here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Coach, re-watching the Jets game over the weekend, you've brought this up numerous times, the whole idea of belief, right? This team now believes, where in the past there was no reason to believe because things were, were so bad. There was a cockiness to this team, and, and not even – I mean, I don't even want to make that sound like it's a bad thing. Not an arrogance, but they just – they looked like they were not surprised with how they pummeled the Jets in their house – on Thursday night and you see him walking off the field you know embracing the Jaguar fans that was there there's there's something going on here something has happened to this roster in the last six weeks and it's maybe unlike anything we've seen in Jacksonville going back to probably 1996. Well first of all you know obviously confidence is so important in this game a lot of the football uh you know a lot of football is emotion and and confidence, you know, that, that uh, you know, you're never out of a ball game. And I think Trevor has shown this team that it really doesn't matter what the score is in the first quarter or the second quarter. It's what the scoreboard reads at the end. I thought a really telling uh, uh, interview from, from the game at uh, New York was walking off the field. Martineau uh, interview, was interviewing uh, uh, Harris, uh, Roy Robertson Harris. And, you know, he tried to get him to say, you know, wow, you know, you guys are playoff, uh, you know, contenders and this, that, and the other thing. And all he wanted to talk about was we just got to, uh, you know, just keep doing what we're doing and we've got to get ready for next week. And that's the mentality you have to have with a football team uh, if you're going to be successful because every game is different. If it, it, And a Detroit game was an example. If you don't show up 100% ready and you don't have the right matchups, uh, it can be a long day for you at any time. So, you know, I think the team from a confidence standpoint feels like they can they can stay toe-to-toe with anybody, and they have a quarterback in their mind that can win it when the game's on the line. They got playmakers too, Coach. Evan Ingram, if you look at the numbers, and maybe I'm too much of a numbers guy, but he's a top-five tight end 
in the league right now. I mean, he's playing out of his mind in Doug Peterson's offense. I love the guy. And, and you know, I've, I, you know, I've mentioned him going way back to training camp where the coaching staff had him. He was out catching balls during warm-up while the special teams were working. At the beginning of practice, he's catching warm-up balls from the quarterbacks. And, you know, that's partially the coaching staff, but that's also him, you know, from the standpoint that, you know, he wanted to make sure his, his knock was he dropped some balls. Plus, in pregame warm-up, he's out there with glasses on that make it tougher to see things, and he's catching tennis balls. So the guy has worked his way into being one of those guys. He bet on himself, and at this point right now, he's probably uh, done the right, made the right bet, a little bit like uh, Aaron Judge, you know, in, in the Yankees. You know, he bet on himself, and he's performing. All right, Coach, as great as it was on Thursday night, they do lose DeWan Smoot for the year. What does that do to the Jaguar defense? Well, that hurts them. You know, I like DeJuan Smoot, too, because I think he's one of those guys that's, you know, not flashy but steady and consistent, you know. And, you know, they've had their problems getting to the passer, but, you know, he's actually tied for the, you know, tied for the lead with, with Allen with, with five sacks. So you're taking a five-sack guy out of there. Hopefully the, the, the return of Walker – and, and kind of the rejuvenation a little bit with Allen uh, will give them a chance to, to make up for it. But, you know, I, I think he has is, is got to have a, you know, he's got four and a half sacks. So, you know, between Key and Allen and Walker, you know, they've got to pick up the slack. But it's, I think that the defense has improved with running some games and put a little bit of pressure on the offense. So hopefully the one thing about Smooth that hurts him is that he's versatile. You know, he could play inside or play outside. And that is, you know, you've got to be able to rotate those inside guys a little bit. Uh, that might hurt them more, actually, than the pass rush. Final moments here with head coach Dave Campo. All right, coach. Um, they play Houston on Sunday. As we said, it is not a meaningless game, although there's no doubt that week 18 against Tennessee will decide the AFC South championship. Trayvon Walker missed last Thursday against the Jets. Foley Fadakasi missed last Thursday against the Jets. I would imagine those are two of the guys you're talking about. If they're 85, 90%, maybe they could go in a must-win, but they would benefit from another you know, couple of days off. Are those the kind of guys that you would think about sitting against Houston? Well, yeah, there you know there are a couple guys, uh, you know, but I don't think that their situation is as critical, as I said earlier, with uh, Dewan uh, Taylor, Dewan Taylor and and Sheriff, you know, because those guys are the guys that probably could benefit from a little time off. But you got to be careful with the with the offensive line. Uh, but you know, again, that's going to be a decision that's made during the course of the week because I do believe that the momentum with another victory and and you know you're going to get the very best effort out of Houston. Because, you know, they're preaching they can have a winning record. They could be four and two with two victories here. They could be four and two in the division, even though they're not, you know, that's a that's kind of a rallying cry going into next year, you know, that they've made enough improvement to get that done. So that's why you have to be careful uh, with some of the guys that are healthy. If they're not playing at a full blast, 
try to win the football game. And I think that's what they have to do from a momentum standpoint, but also from a health standpoint with their football team. Maybe I'm media guy overthinking this. You tell me. Tennessee plays on Thursday. So they get basically a mini-buy, right? They're going to have three days extra rest compared to Jacksonville for that AFC South championship game. Does that weigh on your mind at all if you're Doug Peterson? Yeah, it does. You know, it weighs on our mind, uh, everybody's mind, from the standpoint that they don't have the same situation going as as we do. You know, they they have a chance to, you know, look at some guys that have been playing hurt all year and giving them a t- a, an opportunity to, to, to rest. And, you know, the Cowboys, they have to be – first of all, if they had their starting quarterback in there, there would be no way uh, that, you know, I wouldn't rest everybody – on the offensive line, especially, but again, you know, I think that they can rest some guys a little easier than we can. All right, coach in Houston on Sunday, as you mentioned, the Jaguars have not won against Houston in a long time. I think you got to go back to 2017. The absolute inexcusable loss here earlier this year has left a bad taste in Jaguars fans and players mouths. I would imagine that's the one thing to me, you know, I, I heard Herb Street last week talk about Houston could be a trap game because at that point we didn't know if it was going to matter or not. Even though it's not as meaningful, you've got to beat Houston, right? This year has been about ending streaks. And for some reason, the Jaguars haven't beat the Texans in five years. You would like for that to come to an end on Sunday. Absolutely. You know, I think that uh, the one thing about this team this year is that they've broken a lot of stereotypes. And I think that that's one of them that you want to make sure in your division that people know you're somebody to be reckoned with. And I think, you know, after losing that one last time, I think our team is going to be fired up to play the game. Uh, And hopefully we don't have to, you know, rest too many people and and that we go into the ball game because, like I said, we're going to get their best effort. And so, you know, I hated to play in Houston when I was here. Because for some reason, I, it just brings back memories that we didn't play very well down there. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, you want to keep the momentum going. And, and I hope our football team goes in there with that mindset. Our head coach here on Hacker After Dark is Dave Campo. You also get him on XL Primetime. And you get him on the fifth quarter, which we will have for you this Sunday, two hours after the Jaguars and the Texans go final coach thank you as always and oh my goodness do we have a big one next week we'll be back next monday to review houston and preview the afc south championship game thank you my friend good feeling isn't it it's been a while it's been a grind and you know the feeling is there that this could be a special season oh it's an easy game they're gonna go to the playoffs i believe they will and i hope they will we going to the Super Bowl, and we going to win that Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Yeah, I remember Jalen Ramsey. Could have done without that after the win in Pittsburgh five years ago. Now, look, I mean, it's weird because we have a game to play before Tennessee. And I don't know what it is. Actually, check that. I do know what it is. The Tennessee Titans ruined my childhood. That's what it is. I mean, I was 16 years old, sitting in, what would it have been then, Altel Stadium, I guess? 
1999. Was that Jacksonville Municipal Stadium? No, I think it was Alltel Stadium at that point. Yeah. 16 years old, week three of the 99 season, sitting in just an absolute monsoon. Mark Brunell throws a game-ending interception of Samari Roll. But then we get the Titans again in the AFC Championship game. January 23rd, 2000. No flipping way Tennessee was going to come in here and beat Jacksonville again. Jacksonville had played 17 games. They were 15-2 and two going into that game. Tennessee beat him again. Completely ruined the beginning of the year 2000 for me as a, I guess I was, yeah, I had just turned 16 at the time. It was awful. Fast forward now some 20, uh, 23 years. Oh, geez, 23 years. Wow. Everybody here in Jacksonville is talking about who we playing in the playoffs. Do we want Baltimore? Do we want Cincinnati? Do we want the Chargers? Who we got? Tennessee's in free fall. They're injured. They're banged up. And I agree they are. They are. I'm telling you. Tennessee will give everything they have in that game a week from Sunday. Everything they've got. You want to talk about the underdog scenario, backs against the wall, whatever motivation, verbiage you want to use. No one outside of Nashville is going to pick the Titans to win that game. No one is going to pick the Titans to win that game outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And that scares me. That scares me. Because I remember what happened 23 years ago. And maybe it's that logo, man. Maybe they did unforgivable damage to me as a 16-year-old kid. But that is a topic for next week. This week, it's about ending a streak against Houston. For some reason, the Houston Texans have beat Jacksonville, what is it, 10 times in a row? Yeah, it's 10 times in a row. That's unreal. Absolutely unreal. Well, actually, wait a minute. 2-18, and 2-19, and 2-20. I think it's nine times in a row. It would be 10 if Jacksonville loses on Sunday, which I don't expect to happen. But the whole idea of rest versus rust, right? Do you play the starters? Do you sit anybody? I would not play Trayvon Walker. And I would not play Foley Fadakasi. You need those guys to be 100% against Tennessee. Now, particularly with Dewan Smoot being out. So guys like that, I would sit. I would not sit any offensive linemen if you're going to play Trevor Lawrence. In a perfect world, you would let Jawan Taylor and Brandon Sheriff sit because they've been on the injury report the last couple of weeks. But you can't sit them if you're going to play Trevor. Because you can't have Trevor in there with a bunch of backup offensive linemen. So you got a lot to think about. And I brought this up with Campo earlier, and I think it's an interesting point. Tennessee's got a mini-buy 
They play on Thursday. Again, a meaningless game for them. They're going to have three extra days of rest to prepare for the AFC South championship game. Which undoubtedly will be flexed either a Saturday night or a Sunday night. The uh, NFL hasn't announced it yet. But when you have a division championship game, a win and get in scenario, loser goes home, it's a playoff game. That game you would think would have to be flexed to one of the primetime spots on either Saturday night or on Sunday night. But my goodness, watching Tennessee against Houston, they looked awful. Just awful. A lot of injuries for the Titans, no doubt about that. But there's something about that logo, man, that still scares me. Still scares me, and I will not be comfortable going into that game whatsoever. A little bit of breaking news out of the world of college football. Denmark, we have a uh, This Just In sounder. This Just In on Hacker After Dark. We know what Deion Sanders did for Jackson State. Wonder if Ed Reed will have the same effect on Bethune-Cookman. Many national college football writers, including Brett McMurphy, are reporting tonight that Ed Reed will become the next head coach of Bethune-Cookman. That's kind of cool. I like that. We saw what Dion did for Jackson State. Could Ed Reed have a similar effect on Bethune-Cookman? A lot of Bethune-Cookman alums here in Jacksonville. I imagine you got to be pretty fired up with the reports that Ed Reed is going to be your next head football coach. More on that as it develops. Brent Beard talking college ball coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union talking Jaguars also coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. With Dylan Denmark, the hacker Ryan Green with you. It is a Tuesday night in Jacksonville, Florida, and we're glad you're with us. It's Hacker After Dark, 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Halftime on Hacker After Dark. One hour down, one hour to go with you till 10 o'clock here with Dylan Denmark, the hacker, Ryan Green with you. More on the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up in just a bit with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. We need to get into the world of college basketball. Brent Beard, you see him on First Coast News. You also get him right here on Hacker After Dark. He's coming up in less then about 10 minutes or so. The Gators have a quarterback out of the transfer portal, not the one that any Gator fan wanted, Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. The news coming out today that Sam Hartman of Wake Forest is indeed going to enter the transfer portal, but apparently he's already headed to Notre Dame. Devin Leary, as we know, the North Carolina State quarterback, headed to Kentucky. So you got Kentucky getting Devin Leary. You got Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame and Florida gets Graham Mertz. That is not a good look. It's also not a good look that Florida State is just absolutely cleaning up in the transfer portal. They're ranked number one in transfer portal rankings. Yes, there are transfer portal rankings now in the world of college football. Florida State number one. Well, Florida is struggling to get anybody right now. 
It's very early, but it is not the start that Florida needed in the portal. And we'll talk with Brent Beard about that. We're going to go to Gainesville later in the week and talk with some other folks that cover the University of Florida about that. Not the start that they wanted. For Florida State, Mike Norvell once again is scorching the earth when it comes to the transfer portal. It's what the guy does, man. Tip your cap to him. Give him credit. He he has found a formula, a recipe that works in Tallahassee, and he is using it again to his advantage. They are getting guys that are going to play a lot of football for them, guys that will start for them out of the transfer portal. Mike Norvell doing a fantastic job. Of course, they play Thursday in the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando against Oklahoma. They're going to wipe the floor with Oklahoma. Florida State's going to give Oklahoma the absolute beating. They're going to win 10 games, and I bet you they're going to be preseason top 10 next year. A lot of really good things happening in Tallahassee for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles. And, of course, you got the college football playoff on Saturday. Remember that thing? Michigan TCU, Georgia, Ohio State. The college football playoff is finally here. So we got a lot to get into in the world of college ball. Again, Britton Beard coming up in less than five minutes. Back into the NFL with Demetrius Harvey in about 25 minutes. It is a Tuesday night on Hacker After Dark, and we're glad you're with us with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. It is college football playoff time. Of course, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU will get at it this weekend. Florida State is in action on Thursday. And what's going on with the Gators and the lack of anything happening in the transfer portal? There's a lot to get into with that. Let me welcome in my friend, Brent Beard. You see him locally on First Coast News. You also get him weekly right here on Hacker After Dark. Mr. Beard, how are you, sir? It's a great week for several reasons. Um, We have survived and enjoyed Christmas. Um, I'm guessing Santa brought the young man a few visits uh, and a few treats under the tree. uh, Oh, yeah, little man had a very good Christmas, absolutely. I bet he did. Good. Maybe, maybe he'll share some of that with his father. <laughs> uh, but but the uh, uh, <clears throat> listen, there are multiple bowl games on basically every day le- leading up to the semifinals. So certainly certainly excited about what kind of week it's going to be. Is it is it's going to be warmer every day? <laughs> yeah, boy. You know, I I'm all for a, a cool Christmas. But I think I'm good mm-hmm. for a couple of years now. If we could get back yeah. to the 55, 60, I think that's a lot better yes. than what we had over the no weekend. Doubt. All right, so Florida. Uh, let's begin there briefly. Obviously, we have more pressing issues moving forward. Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin transfer, is the one quarterback they've gotten out of the portal. Gator fans aren't happy about that. Mike Norvell and Florida State are cleaning up again in the portal. Florida is not. Gator fans are not happy about that. Brent, quite frankly, Gator fans just aren't very happy right now about what's going no, on. No, 
Yeah, they're not. And uh, Ethan White, the offensive lineman, is in the portal. Uh, Tremez Johnson, the safety, is in the portal. I don't know if you can make anything out of this or not. But there were some comments by second-year defensive lineman Chris McClellan that had some of the media could kind of put together. And I think the gist of that was that Napier's been a lot more um, uh, tougher and stricter as far as discipline is concerned than then Mullen was. And could that be a reason for some of the uh, um, the, the opt-outs at this point and the transfers? Um, uh, McClellan said, Coach Napier does ask a lot of us, but it's for our best interest. I don't think they were prepared for that. It goes, all, it goes back to discipline. Well, still not sure Gator fans are interested in hearing that, but still the reality of it is what – is going on, we've still got two weeks or more in the portal because the portal is open until mid-January. They were able to keep pretty much who they got commitments from um, as far as signing day is concerned. So there's still time to try to get the, uh, a, a lot of this together. But look, I, I get it. I, I get the angst. Um, I know Mertz wasn't a great Pick up. I mean, when you look at the numbers, he just looks very average at this point. Um, so, when you combine that, Brent, to... with Devin Leary going to Kentucky, that's that's the problem. Is when Kentucky sure gets a guy is. like Leary and he doesn't go to Florida, and Florida has to settle for Mertz. Gator fans are not very happy about that. And you really wonder at this point um, what they can do. Uh, maybe even to bring another quarterback in. I, I've heard a little bit of that. Not sure that's going to happen. I'm sure they're looking at it. Um, look, if you're going to bring Mertz in and he's going to be a, um, a guy who can come in and give you a few snaps and, and bring and provide a little bit of experience for the the younger guys in practice, I get some of that. But it it, it is – it is safe to say they don't have a bell cow yet at quarterback. Yeah, you almost wonder if Mertz is a stopgap guy for Rashada to get up to yeah, speed as quickly as mean. possible. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Brent Beard here with us. You see him on First Coast News. You get him right here on Hacker After Dark. Brent, Mike Norvell, again, is cleaning up in the transfer portal. I think 24-7 has them as the best transfer portal class right now. I mean, they've brought in, again, four or five guys already this year that will start for them out of the portal in 2023. They're getting ready for a bowl game on Thursday, but quickly, uh, Norvell has just mastered the transfer portal, Brent. He does a great job at that. He's mastered two things, um, the transfer portal and getting these guys to stay, which I think is huge, uh, frankly, um, and they've got a game with Oklahoma. It's a 5.30 kickoff, which is a bit unusual, so folks need to be aware of that. These are two teams trending in the opposite direction. Now, uh, while Florida State's getting, getting everyone to stay, uh, Eric Gray of Oklahoma, 
who ran for 1,300 yards, is sitting this out. Um, Oklahoma's dropped three of his last five. Uh, Florida State is playing right now probably about as well uh, as they could be playing. Also, um, some guys who are going to the NFL one day for Oklahoma, Antoine Harrison and Juan Morris, uh, these guys aren't playing. But Jordan Travis returns, and we mentioned Jared Burris, who's a really good pass rusher, uh, is doing the same. Now, here's your key stat for this game. The uh, Oklahoma's 0-5 when allowing 200 rushing yards or more. FSU averages 218. Heck, heck, could we we argue here on behalf of FSU that um, the running game is the key. They're they're a lot more tough and physical than they have been in the past. And all these things have come together uh, for a, a really, frankly, tremendous year. And, boy, wouldn't this be the cherry on top of the cake? <clears throat> Did they win this game? Ten and three. Let me see a show of hands on 95. Who thought FSU would be ten and three at the end of this year? You won't get my hand raised. I in no way, shape, or form thought that. Florida State not only is going to beat Oklahoma, I think they're going to destroy Oklahoma. And I got to tell you, Brent, when preseason magazines come out and preseason polls come out in a few months – I bet Florida State's preseason top 15, if not preseason top 10. There's going to be a lot of expectations in Tallahassee, and with good reason. Give Norvell credit. Tip your cap to him. That guy's done a heck of a job. Yes. Well, as you and I said the other day, if people haven't heard this, in the magazines, they may be predicted to, uh, to win the ACC over Clemson. There's no doubt. And one of the most anticipated games to begin next year will be that game in Orlando between yeah. LSU and Florida State. A couple more with Brent Beard. You get him on First Coast News. You also get him right here on Hacker After Dark. All right, Brent, finally, the national semifinals are coming up on Saturday. Let's begin with Michigan and TCU. Boy, say what you will about Jim Harbaugh, but that guy has done a great job the last two years Back-to-back playoff appearances, I think they are the overwhelming favorite. The one thing I'll say about TCU, for people that have not seen them, boy, they don't quit. That team will play, man. No. That that no. Max Duggan, that, that quarterback is an absolute beast. Uh, I think this could be more sticky for Michigan than people might believe. I think I'm leaning Michigan, Brent, but TCU is going to give them a game, I think. They will. They will. Duggan is really good. He's tough. He's physical. And, and really that whole team is, that that's the thing that's been impressive. But, look, even after losing Blake Corum, Michigan can run. And the thing you admire about a guy like Horball uh, in this Michigan team is pretty simple. They know who they are. They have established the line of scrimmage. And they can be able to run the ball. I mean, I think we'll have a Georgia um, – Michigan final, frankly, but you're right. Um, give TCU a lot of credit. They've done well um, in uh, particularly toward the end of the season uh, in the Big 12, but still, Michigan just too good. 
their defense is playing much better now as the season went along. But I, I think the main thing with them is that, that they just grind you down after a while, uh, and, and that opens up. Some of those, heck, some of those eight-yard runs turn into 80-yard runs in the fourth quarter, and I think that's what's going to make the difference again. Uh, and, it, and when everybody wanted to run Harbaugh out of town, two years in a row now, that uh, it, it, it tells you something when you hang on to a coach and Harbaugh has proven that. Yeah, no question. Michigan's done a great job. Like I said, I think they're going to win, but I do think it's going to be closer than a lot of people expect. And then you mentioned Georgia. I agree with you as well that Georgia should win the game. I'm going to pick them to win the game. But i got to tell you, for an undefeated defending national champion to draw Ohio State in the semis, yep. and yep. if you might have to go Ohio State-Michigan to win a back-to-back national championship – They'll earn that, Brent. That's not going to be easy for the dogs. No, no, not at all. C.J. Stroud continues to play well. I mean, he was a Heisman finalist for a reason. Marvin Harrison Jr., one of the better receivers that they're going to be able to deal with. Now, here's the real problem. The Ohio State pass defense uh, is allowing – uh, 238 yards in their last three games. That That is a real problem that I think Georgia is going to be able to take advantage of um, in this game, too. Um, and the, what's going to be important is Mayan Williams, who's the running back in this game, replacing Trevion Williams, um, is, uh, has had a pretty good week of practice. Georgia, we think, is going to get Ladd McConkey back, wide, wide receiver and offensive tackle Warren McClendon. I think that's going to be huge. I don't know if people saw this or not, as if Georgia needs more help. But Dominique Lovett, the former Missouri wide receiver, is transferring to Georgia Heck, he is the number eight player in the transfer portal um, and uh, really was uh, showed what he could do at Missouri. Uh, but 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 I give Kirby credit, Heck. We have to, don't we? This wide receiver core has either been – they're not average. I'm not going to say that. But they really don't have a number one receiver – and love it may give them that next year. If Kirby wins the national championship back-to-back titles, does he replace Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney as the consensus best coach in the country right now? Well, it, it, for the moment, yes. Uh, but with Sweeney and, and Saban, particularly after the number one recruiting class, um, and you know, we'll see where that goes. But over the last two years. Or they, or they the best team and, the, and, and he's the best coach, you would certainly have to give him the nod for that, yes. Final moments here with Brent Beard. All right, Brent, the time we have left. There's a good one here in Jacksonville later on yeah. this week with South Carolina and Notre Dame. The Gator Bowl kind of hit the jackpot with this matchup. I know you're going to be there. Boy, South Carolina, all they did in their last two games is knock off Tennessee and Clemson. Notre Dame, it did not start out well for them, but they certainly got better as the year went on. That should be fun downtown later this week. 
Well, and the weather is going to cooperate, too. I think the rain comes in Saturday, so it should be almost balmy uh, with that game. And Notre Dame is going to be without Michael Mayer um, uh, or Mayer, the tight end. He's opting out. Drew Pine is the quarterback, is in the transfer portal. Uh, Tyler Buckner opened the season. Uh, he's been banged up, too. So <laughs> let me put it this way. I'm being facetious about this, but you'll get the point. Maybe the, the the best, most dependable quarterback in this game is Spencer Rattler. And, uh, heck, he can be great, and he can be very mediocre, uh, depending on his mental state for that game. Uh, that That's going to be pretty fascinating to see, isn't it? It will be. What else is going to be fascinating is I'm hearing numbers like 40,000 South Carolina fans are coming down. There are going to be Gamecock fans all over the place in Jacksonville, Florida later this week. They are fired up. And I got to think, Brent, much like Florida State, when those preseason magazines come out, I think a lot of people are going to like South Carolina heading into 2023. Well, when you win late, it makes a difference. And they have had two really good Novembers, particularly when you beat – Tennessee and Clemson, uh, that that's going to be important. Now, the thing you got to be careful with too: um, Notre Dame six and zero when running for over 150 yards, seven and one running for 130. Um, uh, so, how good is South Carolina run defense going to be? But that look, regardless, I, I think even if they lost this game, they that the, these fans would be. Ecstatic about it. Uh, they brought in a um, kind of a, a controversial offensive coordinator who was on the Arkansas staff, uh, and the fans kind of questioned that move. Shane got a little too defensive with the media in one of his last press conferences. But with all that aside, uh, look, uh, you think about this: beat Tennessee, beat Clemson beat Notre Dame, even even beating the brand, uh, even when they're struggling. Uh, how many South Carolina seasons, Hack, do you have a chance to do that? Not very many, and I think Shane Beamer is going to be a rock star in the next year or two, and I think a lot of people are expecting a lot of things in Columbia, South Carolina moving forward. Brent Beard, you get him on First Coast News. You also get him right here on 1010XL. Brent, have a terrific new year, man. We'll be back next week to review the college football playoff. And as crazy as this offseason's already been, who knows what we'll be talking about seven days from right now. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure, bud. Take care. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. What a six-week period it has been for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have two games to go. In the regular season, and of course, as we all know, week 18, a week from Sunday here in Jacksonville against Tennessee, will be for the AFC South Division Championship. With that, we welcome in Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. He's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Demetrius, how we doing, man? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Demetrius, we are good. The last time you and I were on the radio together, you were in a hotel room in Detroit, Michigan, 
the Jaguars had just lost a game by 26 points, and at, uh, what was that, at 4-8, and eight, I guess, at that point, you thought the season's probably over, and my goodness, Demetrius, the last 20-some-odd days, what on earth has happened with this football team? Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's kind of crazy, you know, after the Detroit game, I pretty much thought, I think everyone pretty much thought, you know, this season was um, done, you know, the, the Titans had a four-game lead or whatever lead they, they had at that time, you know, they, they hadn't gone on their five-game losing streak yet. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the tides change, you know, the, I, I, I think what, what, what really changes, you know, during the first, uh, I guess, eight games of the season, maybe nine, uh, nine games of the season, the cards just didn't really fall in the Jags favor. You know, they, they didn't really get the opportunistic plays that other teams were getting against them. They weren't getting lucky. They weren't getting, um, the ball, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, change in their favor where they're getting those sort of uh, breaks, you know, against the Ravens, that 18-point comeback in the fourth quarter um, against the Cowboys, obviously what happened there with the overtime and, 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 and a pick six to win it. Um, there were just a, a few things that actually went in their favor, and I think that the biggest thing that's changed is, you know, Trevor Lawrence. He's been playing at an elite level, you know, 14 touchdowns and one interception since that uh, Denver Broncos game. I think that that's really um, the difference maker there. Demetrius, to that point, and look, you're around this team all the time. You're around Trevor on a daily basis. Uh, Look, he was terrible in London, and he'll tell you as much. It was a bad game for him. But like you said, my goodness, whatever happened on that flight home from London back to Jacksonville, he has been – a top-five quarterback, arguably the best quarterback in the league, quite frankly, but certainly top-five since Halloween. I mean, what happened there? I think what what really happened, I mean, he, he was already playing um, pretty well in, in some games, and then, you know, of, of course, you know, he had the awful showing in Houston, the awful showing in Philly under the conditions, the awful showing in, um, in, in, in London against Detroit. I think our – against Denver. I, I think what, what really happened though is, you know, he started just to calm down. You know, he's, he, he got a full grasp of the offense. Doug Peterson puts him in positions to, to win. Um, I think that, you know, last season really did a number on this entire team, including Lawrence, you know, there, there, he even said last year, you know, there were times where he just lost his confidence and, and I can see why, you know, you're, you're going out there, you're getting blown out almost every single game. Um, you know, you have what's going on with the coaching staff. It, it just wasn't wasn't a good uh, situation for him. So, you know, when 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 he goes through something like he did against Denver, um, and he's so used to you know in his past um, being the superstar quarterback, being perfect almost, uh, winning everything, and that has to do a number on you. And you can either go one or two directions. You can go um, pretty much downhill, kind of like Zach Wilson's been going. Uh, or you can go where, you know, Trevor Lawrence looks to be going. I think that he sort of flipped the switch in the opposite direction, and he's gone off from there. Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Demetrius, Trevor has not done it alone. He's had a lot of help on offense, and Mm -hmm. you and I have talked many times since these signings. People were not happy at the time about Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. Uh, But, boy, you know, 215 catches combined – well over 2,000 yards, all three guys having career years. 
I mean, what those guys have brought to this offense cannot be understated. Oh, yeah, it's, it's been unbelievable. I, mean, I, I don't think that um, we've seen that, that type of talent in Jacksonville at the skill position since maybe um, Allen Robinson, you know, guys like that. And, and I, I think that what, what's really happened is um, the guys are learning the offense, you know, a, a, as you go. I think that Evan Ingram has gotten way more comfortable. His his route tree, if, if, if you ever just, like, take a look, at the earlier games and then compare it to the games now, his route tree has just expanded completely. I, I don't know if Doug Peterson all of a sudden just opened the playbook a little bit more or if, you know, Evan Ingram has just gotten uh, more comfortable, but 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 that's been a, a major difference. You know, they, they are utilizing him in the way that they were sort of utilizing Christian Kirk earlier this season in that they were sort of scheming him open, making sure he got the ball in his hands, um, and I think it's worked. I think that that's a guy who um, – who they can rely on. It's it's someone that, you know, coming into the season, everyone thought that that was probably going to be a, a pretty big weapon for them because of Doug Peterson. Um, and then Christian Kirk, the same thing, you know, they, they know how to, they know how to use him um, going downfield has been a lot more frequent with, with him. And then Zay Jones, you know, he's probably the biggest surprise for me. Uh, I, I came into the season thinking, yeah, you know, Zay Jones, probably a pretty solid three to four wide receiver, um, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to be getting the, the, the numbers that you would want. Um, but you know, he's proven me wrong. He's proven everybody wrong. I don't think, um, I, I think I would call you a liar if you said that you would have Zay Jones at, you know, 778 yards, five touchdowns, uh, having a 145 yard game. I mean, it's, it's just, I just didn't think it would happen. Um, but you know, he's a guy who has really bought into the system. Um, high character player, uh, doesn't really drop the ball too much except for against Detroit. And then, um, you know, ever, ever since then, he's sort of, you know, gone off. Demetrius, maybe I'm too much of a fantasy football nerd, but Evan Ingram is a top five tight end right now. Mm-hmm. If you look at the numbers, I mean, he is an absolute priority this offseason, right? Whatever they need to do, they got to sign him long term, do they not? Absolutely. I think that um, it was funny, Zay Jones, sort of, uh, during Evan Ingram's um, press conference or, or scrum in the locker room yesterday, he walked by and was like, I'll re-sign Evan, you know, and, and, and I think that everybody sort of sees that, and um, I know that Mike Garocco did an interview with him uh, one, one day, and he said that he does want to be back in Jacksonville. Um, I, I think that that should be a top priority, you know, for, for, for too many years, this team has allowed talent to just walk away. Um, and I don't think that you can allow somebody with the character, the work ethic. I mean, Evan Ingram is probably the hardest worker on the team. Um, and then obviously the talent of, of, of what he brings to the table. I don't think that you can allow him to walk away. Um, I don't know what that contract extension looks like, but, um, you know, I think he's making around $9 million this year. I, I don't see why it wouldn't go up a couple million in, um, l- longer term. Couple of more for Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. Those are the new guys on offense. The first year guys on defense. Look, Darius Williams did not start out great, but he has gotten better clearly as the year has gone on. And Foye Aluakin, look, all I knew about this guy is he made a lot of tackles in Atlanta. <laughs> Foye Aluakin has changed the Jaguar defense. I mean, he is everywhere on that field in these games. Absolutely. I mean, he's. Probably everything what you would think um, they were getting and more. Uh, you know, he's somebody who um, coming in, no one probably really knew him. I, everyone knew he led the league in tackles. Um, he was just kind of 
another player on the Falcons' defense to a lot of people because that team just wasn't any good. I mean, there's no reason to pay attention to him. Um, but you know, coming in, he's he's everything that that you would have wanted and more in the way in, in the sense of you know he's a leader. He gets everybody lined up. Um, if you just watch, you, you can see him lining Devin Lloyd up all the time. You can see him lining Chad Muma up all the time. Um, making sure that everybody's in the right positions. I think that that's um, a pretty pivotal uh, role for a player to to play, especially in this defense, which is um, you know more complicated than it's given credit to. And I think that um, there's been situations, obviously, this year that just haven't in- enabled um, Mike Caldwell to be able to play in the defense that he wants to. But you know, Foyer has been everything that that you would want. Uh, he is fourth in the league among, I think, off-ball linebackers and tackles for loss with 11. Um, he leads the league in tackles. He leads the league in solo tackles. Um, you know, he has three forced fumbles or maybe two forced fumbles. He, he He's a guy that um, has done everything and more than you expect, and I think it was a pretty good investment. All right, so let's begin looking forward now. It wasn't all great on Thursday night because the Jaguars did lose Dewan Smoot with the Achilles. What does that injury mean? for this defense, Demetrius, and what can be done to replace him? Yeah, it, it, it's a huge loss. I think that um, Smoot is, was probably, <clears throat> excuse me, it was probably the the most underrated or one of the most underrated players um, on the team in general. Just what he's been able to do, um, his versatility, he's very stout against the run. He um, obviously can um, impact the passer. Uh, you know, he might not be the fastest guy, but but he's a hard worker too. And and I think that, um, you know, he he led the league or led the team in sacks or tied for the team lead in sacks for a reason. Um, so replacing him is is, is not going to be easy. But I think it's sort of what we've already seen in that you know when Trayvon Walker was out, Arden Key sort of stepped up. I think that it's going to be the opposite. Trayvon Walker comes back. Uh, Dewan Smoot obviously is, is is on IR, and they sort of play it like that. You know, Chase on is back too. Um, it's not going to be easy to replace the guy, but I, I think that what they just need to do is sort of you know roll with the guys that they have. Um, I don't think that there's any help coming you know in the free agency market or anything like that. You know, you hate to call any game meaningless, and it certainly it's not meaningless because depending on what yeah. happens with Miami. On Sunday, the Jaguars could still be in play for a potential wild card if need be if they beat Houston. I know if they beat Houston, then that opens up the possibility of a tie against Tennessee winning the division. But how do you think the Jaguars play this? You'll be down there all week. You were down there yesterday. I mean, resting guys. We know Trayvon Walker and Foley Fadakasi did not play last week. I don't know if there's urgency to rush them back. I think you want them as close to 100% as they can be for the Tennessee game. What's your thought on how the Jaguars are approaching Houston? Well, I mean, I, I know with speaking with guys in the locker room, they definitely want to win this game. I mean, they they, they are not happy about what happened, you know, in, in, in week five, losing by three, losing in the way that they did, um, or, or losing by uh, six, I think they lost. But, but you know, it, it, it just wasn't a, a, a good feeling for them. I think that they definitely want – revenge uh this team hasn't beaten houston since 2017 um, which is remarkable because davis mills has been a quarterback for a couple of those games so um you know uh, i i don't think that the players you know their mindset um is you know let's just look forward to the tennessee game i think that they want to play hard um from the coach's perspective i think that you know of course if there's a guy who 
um, is iffy to play. I could see them sitting him out. I mean, it, it kind of is similar to the game against the Jets where um, Trayvon Walker, I think, I feel like he would have played if that game was on Sunday. Um, but, you know, they had a short week. They only had a few days to get prepared. Um, he hadn't really practiced too much. There was no reason to bring him back um, right then and there. So I think that if there's a guy who's very, very fringe, you know, he you know can technically play but probably shouldn't, I think they'll hold him out. But otherwise, I think everybody's going to go. You know, and again, maybe I'm overthinking this, but like Tennessee plays on Thursday, right? So they're going to get, in essence, a mini bye. They'll have three extra days of rest on Jacksonville heading into that game. Do you think that weighs on the mind of the coaching staff at all? It could, and that's a good question to ask Doug on, on Wednesday. You know, but I, I think that what really matters is is them finishing the season strong. I think that they, they want to, to play in this game to win, just, you know, if only to keep the momentum going. You know, they're on a three-game winning streak. Um, I, I, just, I just can't imagine them going out there sort of resting some guys, um, losing and then, you know, playing Tennessee um, and not being in that, you know, um, confident or as confident mindset, you know, things might go the, the wrong way. Um, but, you know, I, I, I still think that, yeah, obviously, yes, yeah, it, it's not ideal for them to um, get Tennessee on, you know, with them having a, a longer break. And, you know, obviously Jackson, Jacksonville, depending on if they play on Saturday or Sunday, you know, if, if, if they end up playing Saturday, um, you know, they're going to get even shorter of a break than, than, than Tennessee. So, yeah, it, it definitely is something that they can probably keep in mind. Keep in mind but um, I don't know if, if necessarily they're going to think, you know, we're only getting three days fewer than the Titans, so maybe we should rest these guys. I, I think that they just want to play and, and continue on with the season as normal. Hey, Demetrius, as we wrap up, I'm sure you're getting this question a lot. I'm getting it a lot. The whole idea of that game being flexed in Week 18 – we know the NFL apparently is going to have a Saturday night game and a Sunday night game. I, I can't imagine Jacksonville, Tennessee, the AFC South championship game would not be flexed into one of those primetime spots. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm kind of, you know, um, assuming that that's going to be the case just because uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, the only other battle would be the Cincinnati and uh, Baltimore game, and you can always flex that one into – Sunday night, you know, obviously bigger markets. I can see that you going going to Sunday, and then the Jaguars one going on NFL Network on Saturday night. Um, I think that that's you know ideal for the league. I don't think that there's any other games. Um, maybe the the NFC South matchup if if, if Tom Brady is um, one game out or, or 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 something weird happens there. But um, I think for right now, you know, that's the game that the league probably is looking at and their priorities circled, saying that's probably the 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 one to flex. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, the city is, is very pumped. I think that I was looking on Twitter and uh, all the social medias and, and, you know, fans are buying tickets in mass. And I think that it's a little different than other situations. I don't think Tennessee fans travel as as well as other teams. So uh, it should be full of Jaguar fans. Yeah, look, and, and talking to people up in Nashville, they, uh, they're in free fall right now. Although, and I'm gonna, this will be more of a conversation for next week. I, I would imagine you share my sentiment on this. That Tennessee team, I know as bad as they look right now, but when it's win and go, winning you're in, losing you're out, Jacksonville's going to get Tennessee's best shot, Demetrius. There is, to me, no question about that. Absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, I was thinking about that or talking to somebody the other day. Um, you know, 
everyone's kind of just assuming that the Jaguars will will win this game. And I get it. You know, everyone's confident. Trevor Lawrence is playing how he is. The team is playing how they are. Tennessee is 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 what they are. But um, it's the same team that gave up. You know, I think over 150 yards to Derrick Henry in the first half in their first meeting. Um, so it's not necessarily the case where. Uh, all, it should be an automatic win. I think that this team needs to obviously uh, play up to their standard and, and sort of go in there thinking this is a good team because if they don't, then uh, things can happen. Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. Demetrius, always appreciate the time, man. Hope you had a great holiday. Have a very happy new year. We'll talk again soon. I appreciate it. Talk to you later. And thank you to Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union for joining us tonight. Here on Hacker After Dark, boy, it's fun times to be a Jaguar fan, a uh, person that covers the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you realize, really, for the last four years, and for what, 12 of the last 13 years, roughly, Christmas time, it was draft talk. The only exception to that was 2017, and boy, it's not draft talk right now. Everything is right in front of Jacksonville. This game against Houston on Sunday And then, of course, the AFC South championship game a week from Sunday when the Tennessee Titans roll in on January the 8th. Or I guess that weekend, right? Potentially it could be the 7th. We'll find out when the NFL releases its times for next weekend in a couple of days. Well, that'll wrap it up for what has been a very busy Tuesday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Again, thank you to Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. Thank you to my friend Brent Beard, talking a little college football with you, looking at the Gators and their transfer portal woes. We also spent time on Florida State and the college football playoff. Remember that? Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. Those games coming up on Saturday. And, of course, uh, head coach Dave Campo, a little Tuesday night coaching with Campo this week here on Hacker After Dark as we look ahead to the Houston Texans game on Sunday. Well, that'll wrap it up. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night edition of Hacker After Dark, and we hope that you join us then. So thank you again, Jacksonville, for listening to us on a Tuesday, and we'll do it all over again tomorrow night beginning at 6 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.